This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by Acts 29 with an invitation to their 2024 Next Conference happening April 15th through the 17th in Dallas, Texas. You don't want to miss this great lineup of speakers, including Sam Albury, Matt Chandler, Brian Loritz, John Piper, and more. The Next Conference will equip and encourage church planters and church leaders of all types for church ministry. To learn more and register for Next, visit acts29.com slash next. TGC podcast listeners will receive a special discount of $20 off registration prices by using the code TGC. Again, visit acts29.com slash next. That's acts29.com slash next. This episode of TGC Podcast is sponsored by The Good Book Company, publisher of Future Proof by Stephen McAlpine. Stephen McAlpine is an Australian writer and speaker who specializes in cultural engagement and the church. His new book, Future Proof, is now available. McAlpine encourages readers that we have been given everything we need in Christ to thrive in a post-Christian cultural landscape. Visit thegoodbook.com future to find this book and other resources that will help you engage with the culture in a thoughtful and biblical way and use code FUTURE at checkout to receive 25% off. That's thegoodbook.com slash future. Only you can satisfy, I know, cause I've seen it in my life. The lessons I've learned and relearned and learned again while you waited by my side. In seasons of pain, I used to remain by returning to my old vices for advice. I got no change and it was killing me. One of the stereotypes of contemporary Christian music, aka CCM, is that it all sounds the same. You turn on Christian pop radio and the formula is pretty much ubiquitous. With a lyrics first approach to music making, mainstream CCM tends to avoid taking musical risks. The most important thing is to get the message across in the lyrics, right? So why spend too much time experimenting with the music? Because of this dynamic, it's sadly rare to hear a Christian artist whose sound is genuinely fresh, new, and unpredictable. But that's exactly how I'd describe the music of Phoenix-based singer-songwriter Lovekin. Surviving the worst of days With only a paper plane Cheap imitations that were only ever land in shame You saw the situation With no negotiation One day you came crashing in to save me from myself Lovekin, spelled L-O-V-K-N, is the moniker of Stephen Lufkin, spelled L-U-F-K-I-N. He's a 28-year-old Christian artist whose energetic, joy-filled acoustic music has been a staple of my Spotify diet in recent years. At times evoking Jack Johnson, Josh Gerrels, or Bahamas, Lufkin's music is rootsy, bluesy folk, commonly up-tempo and gleefully percussive. In short, it's fun. Here's a snippet from Lovekin's 2018 single, Darkness Into Light. Light. 
talented musician who cut his musical teeth on blues and classic rock. I spoke with him recently about his songwriting process, which he says usually starts with a musical idea rather than a lyric. There's something about melody and creating melody over chords and stuff that I love. And so for me, it'll start off with just playing some, whether on the piano or the guitar, just playing around with a, a chord sequence that feels inspiring and and um, and kind of just singing gibberish over it, to be honest, and just kind of just to get the melody out. And so I find myself just singing random words and 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 it's a lot of it I feel is is really heart led, and and sometimes in the midst of that, as I'm singing that gibberish, um, I really start to feel like a vision for like, oh, what am I trying to say here? What is this song? What is this melody? maybe inspiring with the words and and how does that like how is that coming out of maybe what i'm going through right now in life or a past season you're keeping me on my toes you're keeping me on my toes i don't know where my story goes but in you my peace will always grow it's a garden in my soul a trustworthy place to go when the future seems uneasy as the waves keep rocking my boat Cause every has been low and every night seen day as everyone young grows old You are faithful to remain and every good knows bad and everyone happy knows sad as everyone healed knows pain You are faithful to remain A lot of times too uh, I love writing and I'm inspired to write like about other people's stories that I hear about you know, which is like a, one of my songs, Endless Summer, which was just inspired by, uh, you know, s somebody else's story and in a sense, trying to and helping um, the people who were a part of that person's story and sort of grieving the circumstance that they were in, like giving them hope through this song. Welcome, my dear. To the endless summer Welcome my dear To eternity Welcome my dear To the great adventure And so I do feel calling as a songwriter to really like inevitably let my let my songs be something that inspire hope and that inspire like not not neglecting the the reality uh, of of the hardship or the circumstance that we're walking through but in the midst of that trying to point back to the hope of jesus without but the reality is is some songs do they 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 work best sort of without that resolve. I also don't feel like I have to have a resolve in all of my music, which is something that I think as Christians and as writers feels uncomfortable at times, you know, like existing without the resolve, even though like the higher reality is that, yes, God is victorious and, you know, we have Christ and, you know, we're going to get through this, but also being okay with there not being the resolve sometimes is good. But Unresolved tension is a fundamental part of art. Without it, drama and beauty loses its impact. We don't like music that is entirely major chords for the same reason we're bored by movies with no villains or conflict. Art is about capturing tension. 
the friction of highs and lows, light and dark. Too often, Christian art misses this. It jumps to Sunday without first going through the pain of Friday and the tension of Saturday. This is not to say Christian music should be joyless. Lovkin's music is deeply joyful, but it's also honest about the journey's ups and downs. Kicking off my old shoes, saying goodbye to my old blues, breaking away from the ties, telling all my friends about my new life. Kicking off my old shoes, saying goodbye to my old blues, breaking away from the ties, telling all my friends about my new life. The seeds of Stephen Lufkin's career in music were sown at a young age. He grew up in a creative family in Phoenix and attended a performing arts school from the sixth grade on. I started doing music uh, in junior high, my junior high years. So it was really in sixth grade when uh, my my folks put me and my sister, I have a twin sister, so uh, they put her and I into this performing arts school. And, um, and so basically half the day was learning music and half the day was the academics. And, you know, at the time, I'm, you know, I'm still pretty young. I'm like 11 years old. And, you know, I, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life as an 11 year old doesn't have no idea, you know. And so I, I was kind of like just thrown into this sea of music and uh, being taught by some amazing um, teachers, you know, who are very educated. And that's when that musical journey started for me. Music was Stephen's life growing up and he figured it would be his future as well. But he didn't anticipate ever becoming a full-time indie Christian musician. At the end of high school, he got accepted to the prestigious Berklee College of Music in Boston. But it was too expensive to attend. He found himself in something of a crisis of vocation and faith. Here I am supposed to be looking at the rest of my life now and trying to figure out what am I doing and really feeling lost and feeling like there's something, there was always something that was kind of uncomfortable for me the idea of like self-promotion or like doing something just for my own glory or my own sake and um and so when i graduated and i had been going to this church that my parents were bringing me to um just kind of more so out of routine and not real personal relationship they had said like worship team auditions you know are open we need some people and and I had nothing really going on and I just graduated high school. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll just, I play guitar. I'll just go and serve, you know, and why not? And I uh, didn't think much of it. I literally didn't know any Christian music. I didn't know any worship music. I didn't even know what it meant to worship God with music, you know, um, at all. And that put me into this season of uh, essentially God, like taking my burned out self, you know, and breathing new purpose into my music into my creativity you know because it became this thing where it was like oh suddenly i realized that i can use my music to actually glorify the lord which for me was like that purpose that was missing you know it was that drive that now i could create and it could be something that actually brings life and has meaning and purpose and it is a tool to you know bring others into a place of seeing jesus Um, And so that's really how my faith began to grow on a personal level was in that season when music became something as I began to worship and learn how to worship God through my music. And and I began to read the Bible more and and just take it and pick it up on my own. 
kicking off my old shoes, saying goodbye to my old blues, breaking away from the tides, telling all my friends about my new life. Save me from myself. reason Stephen's sound is so fresh and different from typical Christian music is that he didn't grow up listening to CCM. He listened to The Beatles, Bob Dylan, Simon and Garfunkel, and The Police. With the exception of a few Christian artists like Young Oceans and Josh Gerrels, Stephen didn't find Christian music very interesting artistically. When he became a church worship leader and had to learn the top 20 worship songs at the time, he found it mostly uninspiring. Here's what Steven said when I asked him what he found lacking in the CCM genre. I would say just authenticity. And I, I think too, like the embracing of your testimony in a real direct way. I feel like as a songwriter, um, one of the greatest things that I have to off, um, you know, offer is just being real, even in my language and my lyrics about my story and and realizing that you know um that authenticity is so important i feel like so many people in today's world are so quick to be able to discern when something is real and something's not when something has heart and it and when it doesn't and i think that like you can tell when an artist is writing music and there's honesty in it, you know? And whether that's, whether they wanna genre-wise be playing pop music or they wanna be playing singer-songwriter, you know, or folk or rock or whatever, like, I don't think that matters as much as, as just like not being cliche in the ways that we talk about our God who is so, vast and complex and challenging and beautiful and as writers being able to dive into that. Stephen is passionate about seeing a renaissance of artistically beautiful Christ-centered music. That's one reason why he helps lead a ministry called One Big Family, which connects independent Christian artists across the world and organizes collaborative projects and tours. I want to make sure that I'm creating a space to sow into other artists. And um, and so with One Big Family, we plan different tours and events and artist retreats and stuff for a bunch of indie Christian artists um, who are popping up all over the world and and just getting in relationship with those people and, and connecting people with each other and, and just cultivating a, a community of artists in the church who get to come together and be like, yeah, we're gonna support and celebrate everybody's unique sound and uh, and make a place where, you know, we're not doing unhealthy competition and we're not doing comparison, but we're, we're working together and, and supporting each other and posting about each other's stuff. The artists who make up the one big family community, like Antoine Bradford, Yaz Williams, and Montel Fish, represent a diverse spectrum of sound and culture. This is not music that fits into any CCM formula, 
but it's music that celebrates the unique way God works in lives and creativity across the world and in different contexts. If it were a genre, I'd call it singer-songwriter devotional worship. It's personal music that is also deeply worshipful. Here's Lovekin's song, Ain't It Something, as one example. Ain't it something not to know? Ain't it something not to see? What they never teach in school? song um many songs on that album but that song in particular it's just it, it's just it feels like worship to me but it's also like what i love about it it's also a song i feel like i can play on the street or in a bar or something and like the message is is real and kind of just saying like ain't it something to walk through an experience in life ain't it something to like um to not know what's ahead and to 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 you know which is a, a place that we all exist in ain't it something not to know ain't it something not to see what they never teach in school Much of Lovekin's brand of indie devotional worship plays better in coffee shops and clubs than it would in Sunday morning worship services. His 2021 new release EP of hymns is a beautiful celebration of traditional congregational singing. Titled Hymns One, the EP contains eight covers of familiar hymns from How Great Thou Art to Come Thou Fount. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me some lotus sonnets on my flaming tongues above praise the mountain fixed upon it mount of thy redeeming I had a hymn book that my uh, my grandma gave me a few years back, and it's funny because she uh, she's the sweetest lady. She's ninety, she's gonna be like ninety one or ninety two this year, and uh, she gave me this hymn book, and she was like, she actually highlighted like four hymns in the beginning that she's like, I want you to play these hymns at my funeral, you know, and she's so secure, you know, and she's just like, here you go, <laughs> grandson. And um, I, I had that and I had always loved hymns, but last year I found myself picking up that book and sitting at the piano and really like, I feel like using hymns, how they were always meant to be used, which is an interesting thing. I think it's like sitting down at the piano and, and using like a hymn as part of my devotional time you know, which is a cool place to think about hymns existing is like, a, they're timeless, right? But they're kind of like, 
lyrically they're so focused and centered on on Christ and they're they're they've stood the test of time and they're songs that like so many have been singing for so long to, to find comfort in sings my soul my savior god how great thou Stephen recorded and released Hymns 1 in the early months of 2021, with plans to release a Hymns Volume 2 sometime down the road. There are a surprising number of artists who have released albums of hymns in the last year. From mainstream country artist Carrie Underwood to secular indie artist David Ramirez and many others, it seems the pandemic has led many artists to find timely inspiration in the songbook of faith. There's an art to a good hymn cover. It's all about striking the balance between fidelity to the original lyrics and melodies, while also breathing new stylistic life into something old. I think Lovekin does it about as good as anyone. Here's his cover of Stuart Townend's modern classic, How Deep the Father's Love for Us, featuring professional violinist Isaac Picardi. How great the pain of searing loss The father turns his face away There's wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory One of my favorite tracks on the Hymns EP is Lovekin's take on I Surrender All, a song that, for me, will always bring to mind memories of emotional altar calls at the Baptist churches of my childhood. I've never heard a danceable, up-tempo version of the song, however, until now. sort of like slow more drawn out versions of that that song and and so i thought you know why don't we what if we totally remixed that and made it something more upbeat and you know got that little beat going to it and uh and uh, i wanted to include some electric guitar and um you know and i don't wanted to i wanted to include a bit of you know I think in, in what you hear in some of these tracks is, you know, a little bit of like my more bluesy roots and stuff and, and more rootsy kind of like, um, you know, vibes to some of the songs. possible for hymns to be both musically pious and playful, traditional and avant-garde, Lovekin manages it with these songs. He's paying homage to Christian heritage 
while introducing it to the next generation in fun, energetic ways. And at the center of it all is Christ, our solid rock. On Christ the solid rock, I stand out of the ground, is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. of the TGC podcast. To watch a new live performance of Solid Rock by Lovekin, featuring Jason Owen Davis on trumpet, head to the Gospel Coalition's YouTube page or click in the link in this episode's show notes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please go check out Lovekin's music on the streaming site of your choice. This episode of the TGC podcast is written and hosted by me, Brett McCracken. It's produced by Heather Farrell and Josh Diaz, edited by Robbie Herrera, artwork by Gabriel Reyes. The TGC podcast is part of the Gospel Coalition's podcast network. Its executive producer is Stephen Morales. Our editor-in-chief is Colin Hansen. I'd like to give special thanks to Stephen Lufkin and to Andrew Lapara for production assistance in this episode. Other ground is sinking sand.